Welcome to Packet Pushers Heavy Networking. Today we are talking metro networking, which delivers high capacity networks in cities and towns, aka metropolitan areas. This type of networking has been changing recently as DWGM reaches into the edge of the network. And probably the key transition has been that traditional, what we think of as routers, can now install DWGM modules or coherent optical transceivers into those routers. And so now the DWDM edge is a routed IP optical edge. Fair enough, right? But it also means that it's now possible to do a lot more than just bandwidth. Metro comes from this idea of just having lots of bandwidth. And it used to be all Ethernet in the Metro. Now it's very much a, D, a DWDM Ethernet IP. Ethernet's kind of disappearing and it's really just becoming IP over DWDM. That's kind of what they talk about if you're into this business or not. So... Juniper's tagline here for their Cloud Metro product is Retro Metro versus Cloud Metro. It's kind of kind of cool. I kind of like that as a byline. Now, the reason for today's show is we want to, if you're planning on using or deploying a Metro network, you should be aware that the requirements are changing. Or if you're a customer, what you can get is changing. Multi-tenancy, edge cloud, software operated automation, orchestration, quality of experience, service assurance, and well, it's a, it's a long list of marketing buzzwords that we'll get to today, no doubt. And the aspect that we are particularly focusing on today is the topic du jour of the industry, which is <laughs> security. It's not obvious that security of Metro Ethernet is even a thing, and I struggled with it for a bit, and there are things to be learned, however. Juniper calls it their cloud Metro, and joining us today is Irene Zhang, Director of Product Marketing, and Albert Liu, who's the Director of Product Line Marketing. Let's throw the opening to Irene with an introduction to the idea of cloud Metro and why you want it. Cloud Metro, from Juniper's perspective, is that we are seeing the trend where the cloud are moving to the metropolitan areas. Mm -hmm. And that means there's tens to hundreds to even thousands of those distributed clouds now deployed at metro areas. Mm. And what that means is that the underlying transport network also need to transform to align with this east-west traffic pattern. And so Cloud Metro is about applying cloud principles to re-architect, manage the metro network. So we're kind of getting to this point where we're saying once upon a time, data centers were way out. We're all in point-to-point networks and it was all north-south or one you know, point-to-point. But now what we're seeing is CDNs and POPs coming out into the edge of the network, data centers in l- local towns, local cities that are caching or located there for specific services. So you're really starting to think about the network needs to be able to say uh, there's a SaaS service and it's hosting its computers in the local telephone exchange conceptually. Yep, exactly. And um, what we see is that traditionally the metro area is more as the, and in the network t- terminology, also called access and aggregation domain, where mm. previously it's using to as sort of like a dump pipe and then mm. aggregated traffic all the way to the core um, and the provider edge to have the service delivered. And now we see that Metro Accenture become the new edge right. because right. exactly what you said, right? The CDNs, the SaaS, the applications, and even IoT, all those applications are moving much closer to where users are. So that means the and Metro is great. And of course, there are tons of different location options that you can choose to deploy those workload. Yeah. But Metro is yeah. great for two reasons. One is it's close enough to major populations, right? So you get the benefit of the low latency. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you have, from a service provider standpoint, you have a lot of facilities there. 
So of course you get the lowest latency if you get it all the way to on-premise, yeah. but that it it would most likely break the business case that it would not make it economic sense. But then when you get it into one hub further that into the metro area, yeah. you get yeah. enough facility to do enough resource polling and make the business case yeah, work. We've seen lots of this, like Netflix has CDNs, uh, we've got threat companies who will, and, and SD-WAN companies or SASE providers who will, traffic goes over the first hop and then enters into their network and they do stuff to it, threat detection. But they're actually talking um, about putting compute into those pops at the edge of the network. So if you wanted to do something very local, like, I don't know, remote access user and scan in the town, instead of backhauling it off to some data center on the other side of the country, that's where we're sort of approaching. Now, the network has to come first, right? Before you can do that, the network has to exist before you can do these this sort of edge networking type of thing. So this is Juniper meeting that need for the new type of network. Absolutely. Right. So what's new about this concept of cloud metro uh, that requires, say, a, a different approach than the one we've been taking to traditional metro, which was basically about give me as much bandwidth as I can get? Yeah, so let's say the what's it before, right? When we call it virtual metro, but you can also see in different ways about um, mobile backhaul, for example, as a use case and how security was um, applied before is at best case, people may apply IPsec to encrypt the traffic. And in many cases, they don't even have that and clean test. Now with cloud metro, with 5G, all the things and, and workload moving there. So those facilities essentially previously, you're just passing traffic. Mm -hmm. You don't have data reside in those facilities. And now you have data, you have workload, you have application literally sitting on those locations. And okay. so it's terrifying to think if there's no security <laughs> to protect those data and access to those data. So what used to be sort of like a, a you know, they used to call it a CLEC or whatever, this local pop was just a bunch of routers pushing traffic. Now there could be compute in there and with compute comes operating systems and applications and a bigger attack surface. That's the idea? Yes. Hmm. I guess that's the challenge is as you make these new fancy networks, you get more and more complex routers and more and more complex services. You've got things going on in line and everything just gets more complex and mistakes in security just happen. And yeah. <clears throat> Right. And, and it used to be that you would have a small dedicated team for a small number of data centers and they could really pretty effectively manage the security mm. for these data centers, for the applications, for the data and do a pretty good job of protection. But now you have that same team and Cloud Metro has essentially enabled this mm. plethora of edge data centers everywhere. Their mm. budgets are not going up. The bandwidth is going to grow about 5x from 2021 to 2027. And then they're faced with not only operational challenges, but more importantly, security challenges, because the ability to offer this better user experience mm -hmm. isn't worth anything unless the users who are experiencing it can actually trust that data. And it was one thing when you had CDNs, you mentioned a mm -hmm. consumer video delivery service. That's great. And that's super effective. And we know yeah. there's a better user experience there. But if there's an enterprise that's trying to digest data so they can save the backhaul costs across the metro and try mm -hmm. to digest it locally with data centers, mm -hmm. or there's an organization that wants to give a better end experience to their end users and do it through the service providers, cloud metro, well, that's a whole different story because now we have very critical data and that data has to be protected, the applications have to be trusted, and you have to apply all that security you used to do in just a few places 
to tens, dozens, maybe yeah. hundreds or even thousands of data centers and trying to scale that out. You know, you think of like New York or London or, or Paris, and you've got hundreds of companies who have their HQs there and they might want to be popping an outpost or a Kubernetes, uh, a GKE, you know, like a Google Google Kubernetes point at in the local pop to get access to something. They don't want to put it in, you know, for example, in London, it's very difficult to put services in Ireland, in AWS's cloud over there. You really want it local for certain purposes. And, uh, you know, then all of a sudden you've got a problem like how do you handle multi-tenancy? How do you handle the software operations at a high level of confidence that it actually works to provision bandwidth up and down? Because customers expect on-demand bandwidth. They want to say, today I want two gigs, tomorrow I want eight gigs for two weeks, and then I want to turn it back down again. You've got to be, that's the sort of uh, area we're moving into. Right. And I think that in addition to bandwidth, there's also that question of how do I have a consistent set of security policies? And I think you gave a great example. Hmm. So in a location where there's lots of employees, you may actually have a dedicated customer premise piece of hardware. But then you want to put an AWS outpost out there. You want to have a virtual or software version of a firewall. How are you going to ensure you have from a single pane of management the same consistent set of security policies and visibility to what's happening across your network, no matter how widely it spans. And Cloud Metro definitely makes that problem harder <laughs> because now we just increase the number of data centers, the mm. number of firewall instances, and how do we ensure consistency across that whole estate of firewalls? And that, that's going to yeah. be a big challenge, I think, going forward. So I want to ask in this, you know, Juniper vision of Cloud Metro, who is it that's responsible for the security of these new workloads, these new applications, these new services being spun up? Is it the service provider? Is it the customer sort of like a, a colo model where I'm putting in my own gear and I'm responsible? Who is bearing the cost of having to provide the security for all these new capabilities? There, there's no single magic answer for that. I think it's going to depend on each enterprise, each service provider, the relationships they have with each other, their capabilities. We've talked to some service providers and they've told us, hey, look, we have everyone from just give us a pipe, give us that cloud metro, we'll put in all our own data center hmm. uh, computes and applications, and we'll run it all on our own. Other ones just want the easy button. Yeah. Sometimes there's they, where the service provider does everything for them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's somewhere in between. And of course, we know that some service providers are outsourcing some of that operation of the cloud to public cloud companies that you've already mentioned, such as Amazon, Google, and Microsoft. Okay, so in some ways, that's even a more complex problem then because the service provider has to support all of those different kinds of use cases with all of the requisite requirements that go with each one, i.e. I'm handing it all off to the customer, I'm running it for the customer, or I'm working with a partner, that's an operational challenge. Exactly, and it's also an operational challenge for the end enterprise customer because they may be wanting to do it all on their own in some regions and other regions, they just want to hit the easy button and look the other way. Yeah. So, you know, there's a definitely a mix of things going on there. I was also thinking of um, people who build networks inside of uh, Colos and they actually offer an API to a customer. So they actually want to be able to either let the customer hit an API, maybe that's on the equipment or maybe that's on some intermediate box, which is linked, but the boxes also have to support a whole bunch of OAM. So how many circuits, who do they belong to, what's the asset numbers being managed. There's a whole lot of stuff going on in here, new attack surfaces in the devices themselves. Yes, absolutely. And I think that means that we need to trust what's happening inside the metro data centers. And there's clearly a way forwards there in which we can establish trust with the software entities, the hardware entities that are within those metro data centers 
And being able to do that will allow organizations, whether you're the service provider or the enterprise, to be able to scale out and be able to trust both the hardware and the software that runs on that hardware or just pure software instances of security. So does this mean that the, the what goes inside of the routers that you make? So, we, you know, we're talking about a particular family of routers that Juniper makes, the ACX routers, I think, are mostly the Metro stuff. And these are routers that have a really large capacity, which is actually weirdly, as I, as I was looking at this and researching for the show, I realized that actually security includes business security. And if you want to start off with something quite small, but scale up from, say, you know, one terabit to 20 terabits, or you think you might, or you wish you will, you know, this is part of the problem here is you, you need a device which or a family of products that meet your needs too. Yes. So on ASIC 7, uh, especially the ASIC 7000 family, which is um, the Juniper Cloud Metro platforms, mm -hmm. they have um, what we call the industry biggest um, scalability all the way from if you want one gig, there you go. Mm -hmm. If you want all the way to... Um, a hundred plus terabits, you also get it. And um, how we have the business security at scale and how we apply zero trust within these platforms is that first of all, every platform have the TPM 2.0 chipset embedded and manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And we also have implemented the digital device ID that in each device, that you can do the attestation mm. to verify the authenticity and integrity of the device, both hardware and software. So you know that just because if some device that have Juniper label in it, doesn't mean that it's actually it is, unless mm. you verify that it is real. So that way that you can mitigate the risk of supply chain attacks. And yeah. also um, throughout that, you can also make sure it's not just the moment you you provision it, but it's ongoing that how do you know whether some malicious software is installed there, right? Mm -hmm. So that is where you, you when we call about zero trust, it's all about the principle that do not trust by default, always verify. Mm -hmm. And the value that we add is make it easy for the service providers to verify that trust at scale. Yeah. So this is a new thing that happened. You know, we've had problems over the years where uh, manufacturers would make copies of these modules and they would be physically at lower quality or less reliable or not even compatible in some cases. And um, so the addition of these TPM, trusted platform modules, onto the hardware devices. So if you attempt to socket a line card home in an ACX and it doesn't have the security key to it, it just won't work. Is that right? Yes. Right. And then the flip side of this is because you've now got a crypto store in the TPM, when the software boots, it actually goes and talks to the TPM and says, here's my signature. And you can verify that that is a valid, legitimately signed by Juniper, not been tampered with version of the iOS. So if somebody, you know, got into your infrastructure and tried to load, you know, a compromised OS Junos into your box, this would reject that. That's how we're improving the supply chain. That's correct. Yeah. We should point out that from the perspective of new features going forwards, in the past, when you had just a few data centers, people could say, hey, we're going to connect to this new service that our vendor is offering. And there's going to be some time involved to make sure that you can confirm the authenticity of the devices that are connecting to the service and vice versa. So you have mm -hmm. that mutual authentication. When you try to do this in the cloud metro, 
this can be really difficult to do at scale. Yeah. By having the TPM module in there, the device ID, we're able to automate the onboarding of new security services that the cloud metro devices can connect to. So one of the things that we'll start right in the beginning is that secure zero touch provisioning. Mm. But going forward, you can envision that other types of cloud-based services, such as potentially threat intelligence, could become onboarded at scale, whereas it wasn't practical to do before, before you had that TPM okay. 2.0 well, and associated capabilities. I'm imagining a big metro network, you know, and if you're a provider and you've got tens or hundreds of devices in a given, you know, geo, you're, what you're saying here is people can't just come along and plug something in and it will mysteriously just connect to the network and things would happen. It prevents that because if they're not part of the overall software infrastructure as well, because they've got a key into the software OAM, uh, and the TPM is a part of all that as well. Is that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I can't walk in with a device and just plug it into the network, and <laughs> which is you know which I may or may not have done in a previous life just to get things done as kind of stopping that. But that's also a security feature as well as a you know making sure that work is matching up to a particular profile. But I think the other thing that you said there is that you talked about threat detection or threat intelligence feeds. Are you saying the TPM is used for that as well? How does that work? I don't understand that. What I'm saying is that I would just give that as an example Mm. in which the TPM capability will allow you to easily and securely connect to that type of service. So whether it's threat protection or some other type of service, we are able to, with the TPM capability, know and trust that the entity that's trying to connect to the service is known and trusted. We can do that at scale. And that would also apply. There was a very awkward provisioning and onboarding process. Yeah, I I was also thinking of things like uh, in-network encryption, like Maxic. Does the TPM involve in that? Do you actually store the keys on the TPM to improve security, rather than store them in the you know the the processor memory? Well, the the TPM does give you the ability to store keys securely, so it's Mm. not just Maxic, but also. Other capabilities such as IPsec encryption, which could be on certain types of platforms. I mean, we're talking about Cloud Metro in general. So anything that you can think of that requires crypto and secure storage of keys, TPM is a very good tool to use for those types of technologies. And that's something that we've actually seen across the industry. So this comes out in servers and, and other things as well these days. Um, and it, it, I think if I was a large organization, I'd have a much higher level of confidence that my hardware is genuine and not tampered with. I don't have to go and do very complicated, complex supply chain inventories and certifying every company in the supply chain to make sure it's real. This takes a lot of that away. Yeah, Absolutely. as those devices are getting deployed in hundreds of thousands of locations, and some are considered untrusted locations, yeah. and some yeah. could be even in the street cabinet that mm. maybe some anybody can physically if they attempt to, to have access to the device. Yeah. And it depends, right? Mm. And so it's very important to make sure that how to protect those device and the data inside the device, mm. that what we have done is not only the encryption for the data in transit with MACSEC and IPSEC, but also the file encryption. So that mm. if even if you take uh, a router out of a street cabinet, you, you can't read it. You, you just, you can't. So just sort of an overall comment, this use of the notion of zero trust, I, for myself, the, the way I've been hearing it in the industry is at sort of the the user access level, like checking on the, the user ID, maybe the device posture, but you're talking about zero trust right down to the actual hardware, uh, to the image when you boot uh, right at the start of getting that device online. That's correct. And 
right now in the industry, everybody talk about zero trust and they, everybody have different definition of zero trust. And from our perspective, from Juniper's perspective, zero trust is about the principle that don't trust by default, always verified. And our connect, Juniper Connected Security Strategy is enable customers to apply zero trust across all the infrastructures, across mm-hmm. all the cloud, across uh, all the edge. Um, so, so it's about everything that needs to apply for zero trust in start, instead of just some use case somewhere. Okay, mm-hmm. that makes sense. So, since we're we're talking about security and zero trust, um, is is MaxSec an option on these uh, ACX platforms? Absolutely, certain platforms that support MaxSec, and what we are proud of, and see the differentiation compared to some other competitor is that if you look at different data sheet from different vendors, they will say they have MaxSec. But mm-hmm. the devils is in the detail. When you look at a platform that support MaxSec, do they have every port that support that, or is that only a few port that support it. And what we are proud is for the platforms that we we support MaxSet, every ports are able to support that. Okay, so I can get it on every port. Is that uh, is MaxSet support an important customer feature or is it just a few corner use cases for organizations dealing with particularly sensitive data? It is getting more and more important and that's why we have implemented this. And <clears throat> some of the use case that are particularly important is for example, the the cable industry that have um interested in the use case of Wemo five that mm-hmm. is a very important capability that they need to have from the platforms. It's something that's becoming much more important. It used to cost a lot, and so customers weren't told much about it, and it was very difficult to implement, and you needed a lot of custom hardware. And now that it's sort of become ubiquitous, I think customers are starting to expect that this is something they should get. They should be able to get encrypted, like the network should be encrypted by the provider at some level. Yep. I guess part of the security profile or part of the zero trust in the cloud metro context, and I want to, this is sort of going to call back to something that we started talking about in the first part of the show, is this idea of an edge data center where you can actually put stuff in. And it's a bit of a, one of the things that I think that we're actually seeing here is this sort of the features that we have in the enterprise data center or an enterprise campus, metro is kind of a blend of some of those features so that you can actually have data centers at the edge. Is How does that look? Is that... Where's the security behind that? What's the story around that capability? So inside these data centers, we want to be able to replicate the same sorts of security capabilities that we saw in very large data centers. But one of the interesting aspects is that the data centers in the metro are going to be of different sizes. Sometimes they're going to have very limited rack space. So Mm. they may only have the ability to run a software instance of a firewall, for instance. Mm -hmm. In other cases, they may have a little bit more space, but they'll still, instead of having a large modular firewall, they may have a one rack unit high, high performance fixed form factor firewall. Mm. In both of these situations, you may have the two firewalls serving the same end customer. So there needs to be the ability to give very consistent set of security policies and threat detection and threat mitigation no matter what the platform in the different data center in the cloud, because there's all these different size data centers will have different types and different uh, physical and software versions of these firewalls, but you'll want to be able to handle them logically all the same in terms of how you define security policies, how they react to threats and how they stop threats and how they alert the administrators to these threats. So is that not part of the SDN or the software operations platform? 
to bring that together? Or is there some way that the devices specifically help with that? Well, if you have devices that have a consistent security architecture that girds all of them, then they can all be managed in the same way. And then to your point about can there just be architecture overlay that supports that? Absolutely, you could support that through APIs, but it can ima- you can imagine that could be very challenging if, for instance, a vendor acquired their software firewall platform from a third party, and mm. now the meaning of those software, those security policies and the behavior of the device is slightly, just ever so subtly different yeah. than the hardware. Yeah. Only mm. if you have the exact same code underlying all software and hardware firewalls will you get the kind of consistent behavior that you want. And by the way, mm. you also need to keep in mind that the data center also expands to places like AWS Outposts, uh, GKE, which you mentioned. Yep. So in those instances, now we have yet a different type of software firewall. And we want to have that have consistency with private cloud as well as hardware firewalls. So that consistency is key to ensure that you have the same type of security and consistent security everywhere. So are you then making a pitch sort of for this cloud metro that you're sort of encouraging customers to go with the the Juniper SRX line, whether virtual or physical, for that reason? But because I assume in a lot of cases, it's it's going to be third-party devices. What we're saying is that anyone who's deploying a firewall has to ask themselves the question of, can I scale my management and how effective is the security? And I don't look at it as a Juniper-specific aspect, but rather... Are you going to, how how confident are you in the security of your network, of the data centers, of the data, of the applications? This is what's critical. And it's not Juniper specific, but you really need to have trust in the performance of the products from a security standpoint, that third parties have validated the security efficacy, and also trust that any given security policy that you write will behave the same no matter what type of cloud it's in. Mm. And, and and I want to add is that it's not Juniper specific, although it is our strategy to tackle the operational challenge. For customers, when thinking about this edge data centers and cloud metro, they're going to have security. They need to have it. Then it's going to very likely because there are different facilities, different sites that would have different physical form factor. There could be some in virtual VM form factor. There could mm-hmm. be in container form factors. And so... One, they, they could buy from different vendors and different things, and that's all good. The thing that they need to always keep in mind is how are they going to manage the policy that have the visibility and policy across different form factors, across these highly distributed locations? And how does that look like in terms of operational, sometimes even burden? Because if it's not only a couple size, but hundreds to thousands of size, how are they going to operationalize it? So yeah. that is something that they need to make sure like when they select vendors and select different solutions, that operational aspect is something that the vendor offer an easier solution for them. They can choose, for instance, whether or not they want to use APIs, whether they want to use a vendor supplied management system or some combination of both. But that consistency that Irene mentioned and the diversity of deployments that they may experience They need to take all that into consideration to ensure that they actually are getting the security they expect as they program in those security policies, whether, again, they're from an API or or management plan. This was something that used to happen in the old days of Frame Relay and ADM and ISDN was people would find that their networks actually overlapped with other people's because they were statically provisioned and somebody would connect the circuit to the wrong 
you know, and then all of a sudden you were seeing someone else's network on yours. We've even seen that with certain versions of MPLS where people make a configuration mistake. But as you say, we're now at the point where the the networks are so much larger that mistakes of that nature are going to become much more often. And now they're not mistakes, they're security issues, <laughs> which is which is the transition in the industry. And I think customers have to expect, uh, uh, should expect and should receive a much higher level of security posture around that sort of thing. They don't want us to know that their WAN service is compromised because of a, a mistake, easily done at scale sort of thing. Another thing to to mention is that what's changed, right? Before, even at the DHD center, it could be the appliances based. And the lateral movement is not something that you need to worry much about. Mm-hmm. But then now as everything is getting virtualized, cloudified, and uh, with, for example, with ORAN, that with the promises that you're going to allow also third-party applications to run on those J infrastructure, mm-hmm. then... Mm-hmm the how you protect the workload, which application can access which ones and how to prevent the lateral movement of threats. Those are the things that the customers need to really plan for. I, I, are we hinting at that, you know, just like we're seeing in enterprise data centers, this move toward a sort of broad spectrum automation through, you know, on the Juniper side, it's Asp, Appstra, then you've got NSX and ACI and so on. Something similar for this this cloud metro use case with the cloudification of these edge locations? Where I get operational consistency, policy consistency with some kind of, you know, uh, <laughs> intent overlay? Uh, what what I'm referring to is actually with the Juniper VSIX and CSIX that how we um, enable the micro segmentations and prevent the lateral movement on the threat movement. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm. yeah, it's key to these days. You don't want you don't want to have escalation, and by restricting lateral movement, you pre- you improve the security. Because once upon a time, once you penetrated the edge, you got everywhere. And now that's much less of a thing because we use micro-segmentation or segmentation at some sort of scale. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we've been talking about in the industry, and specifically with Juniper on some other shows, is um, how Open RAN is changing uh, at the access level. Is there a, a use case for a virtual uh, RAN or Open RAN in the cloud metro? Yeah, and we, what we've seen is that we work with some customers, and, and in fact, we see the ON as one of the, the leading use case where um, it drives the service providers to transform their cloud metro to, to address that ON requirements. And what kind of requirements are they? Um, so first of all, it needs the, they, ha- they need to transform those central office into Azure data centers. Mm-hmm. And, and then work with um, vendors like Juniper to have the rig controllers and that work support third parties and other vendors and, 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 and bring it. And then on the transport layer is how to enable that kind of um, uh, east-west traffic instead of just north-south traffic. Yeah. So yeah. you can consider Metro in some way is like a fabric of data centers. Yeah, we're heading into an era where uh, base stations, 5G base stations, may actually have multiple tenants. So today, what they generally do is each, even though they may share the physical location of a base station, um, they all have their own equipment. But we're heading towards an environment where the base stations are owned by third-party country companies. In many countries, this is the way it works, is the base stations are actually owned by a third company and the telco retail, you know, the brand names actually buy the network from somebody else. 
And I think part of what ORAN is doing and part of what we're seeing with the RIC and all that sort of stuff is this idea that there should be one physical infrastructure and then multiple in-country providers able to share it as tenants. And that's something that we're, I don't think we're there yet, but this is the, this is the vision I'm hearing from people. Right. So you, you'll definitely be able to do that. And that mm. whole idea of multi-tenancy is really important. Mm. But at the same time, because there are all these different third parties, we just come back to the principles of what a zero trust data center is, which is to continually verify what's happening. So you don't know what all the provenance of the different third-party software that makes up that RAN complex. So it's really important now more than ever inside these ORAN data centers to be able to continually verify that everything is happening okay. For instance, you want to make sure that your data is not being exfiltrated to some country that you don't have operations in. And that could easily happen unless you decide, okay, I really need to apply security and just treat this like an application that's running in a data center, it just happens to be running the RAN. So that's why you see the recommendations for ORAN are not very uh, kind of interface specific like they have been in the past, but rather they are kind of general best practices for IT about how to run a secure network. And I think that uh, being able, again, being able to do this at scale with consistent security policy, with security efficacy is a really important overlay on top of any of the interface specific uh, ORAN capabilities that you may have as ORAN specific security. Hmm. It, it's a challenging environment with ORAN, ORAN because there's so much going on and there's so much evolving out of this. And, you know, some companies are going into it this way and some we've got 5G standalone and then we've got 5G network access. You've got 5G where lots of it's being hosted in the cloud. And so it's very difficult to sometimes for me to sit there and say, oh, and this is what we need for the physical hardware in the pop. And these are the features that you want for that. It's, it's a complex environment, this whole thing. Yeah, it definitely is. And we're seeing a variety of different approaches that our customers are taking. Some of our customers are saying, for instance, hey, we're going to do everything in software but hold on a second, we need to have an exception and we are going. We are worried about the load that crypto and yeah. MacSec and IPsec might take on the network. So we actually want physical appliances in for those particular functions. Other customers are saying, hey, we're just not gonna run these networks. We're going to allow a cloud provider that's already had decades now of experience doing this to run those cloud for, clouds for us and we'll run the actual applications, right? Cause that's what we're familiar with. Yeah. That's our wheelhouse. So we see a variety of different approaches here. There's no one size fits all, but they're all concerned again about security because uh, in order to have these trusted services is key since the value of what they offer is going to be less if they have security compromises. Mm. And it comes back, of course, to zero trust data centers. You always continually verify what's happening. Yeah. And that is the best way to approach it as opposed to saying, mm. okay, these, this part of the network is secure. If we go back to that way of thinking, then organizations can definitely get themselves in trouble. So if uh, there are customers who are considering um, getting services from a service provider who's kind of transforming uh, their edge locations into a more cloud-like environment, what are there questions you would ask them, you would advise them to ask uh, these providers they're going to work with? Oh, absolutely. I think that customers who are looking at this should be, first of all, asking themselves, what's their tolerance for risk? What kind of risk are they willing to accept? What would their reactions be if there, there's a breach that happens? They could, can look at the NIST framework to get some sort of sense about 
how should they approach this this problem? Because everyone's going to, it's going to be different for everyone. And that will really inform them about how they talk to a service provider about the service that they would like to get. Because everyone's needs are going to be different. For instance, if your only goal is to deliver you know, better a better CDN for, for instance, gaming services, and you need to have better performance at the edge, mm. it may be extremely different than if your organization has critical healthcare telemetry that needs to be up with, let's say, six or seven nines uptime. Mm. That Those are two very, very different requirements. Each one thinks, hey, my, my use case and application is super important, but you have different tolerances for risk and what happens if there is a security breach. So again, it depends on the use case and, and what you're trying to do. Mm. Such a complicated environment, 5G, RANs and ORICs and ORANs and so forth, but it, it's very confusing as a customer. I think if you're trying to follow what's happening in that space, it's very difficult to understand what you should be asking for vendors for. Because part of what we're talking about here is what can customers go to vendors for as a new service to buy? And, and it's, it's, it's an evolving market, I guess. Yes, and I think there's going to be a lot more partnership going forwards because before it used to be that, hey, here's our menu, you know, we've got six or seven things on it yeah. and have a nice day. And now the customer is going to be in partnership with their provider to talk to them about what their needs are because the customization and bespokeness, quote unquote, mm. of what they can get is so much greater. And there's going to be a focus on security. And the great thing is we now have a lot of the tools available to be able to provide different and better levels of security to customers depending on what they need. Yeah. And when you get to these services, the point is, is that if you're a customer buying these services from your telco, you, you know, or, or over in a metro network, you need to be confident that they're secure. We used to know they were secure when they're on-premise, or at least we understood the components of the solution and we knew how to address security. And the challenge here is for, you know, metro companies to be able to go to customers and say, yes, your data is secure. Yes, these networks are safe and to be able to assure them and have a story to tell them. Right, and I think that the the visibility and insight into what's happening is key and that's going to be evolving. Uh, and as we said before, having a consistent set of security capabilities across the network is going to be a really great start for any organization that's looking into this because mm, yeah. it gives them that really good foundation on which to build their security. Well. Unfortunately, we have to wrap up for today's show. It's been a, an odd sort of a discussion in the sense that this isn't like pushing a particular product. It's not talking a particular solution. What we're actually talking about is an emerging set of solutions to problems that are coming into the market today. And with Juniper talking about the cloud metro, if you go away with, from the show thinking about how the idea that the metro network has got a whole bunch of features and services that you never got. And if you head on over to www.juniper.net slash cloud metro, just as it sounds, one word, C-L-O-U-D-M-E-T-R-O, you can find out more. And you can also dive into Juniper's security policy at juniper.net slash security. Uh, as always, thanks very much to Juniper for sponsoring today's show. It makes us possible to be here and bringing you content every week. You can find many more fine free technical podcasts over at our website at packetpushes.net. Follow us on the social medias on the one of your choice. Please rate us on Apple Podcasts if you've got time. It really, really helps. And last but never, ever least, remember that too much networking would never be enough. <laughs>